Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And as always, I have a treat of a guest for you today. She is not only incredibly beautiful, she is the owner of Team Herrera of Mortgage Solutions Financial, a mom, a wife, a serial entrepreneur, and above all, an Apex executive. Finally got you on the show. Welcome, Ashley Herrera. How are you today, my dear? Hey, hey, I am doing well today. I'm excited to be here and thank you so much for having me as a guest. Excellent. excellent. I'm sure this show will do well. Um, it, it will do well. And I know you've got an amazing story because like we came, uh, we first got to know each other through Apex. It's, it, man, it might be even, it's well over a year now that we've yeah. both, both been running in the same circles. And you have a super cool story and I've kind of watched you evolve from Please, I, I mean nothing bad by this, but I've kind of watched you evolve from a from a timid, uh, timid girl almost into a fierce lioness of an entrepreneur, and I've really, really enjoyed getting to watch that. So I want to give you the chance to tell your story on this podcast today, and just let everybody know um, about Ashley. So, man, where do we begin? Yeah, I guess we can start with. Yes, I am still timid. <laughs> still, I'm still the quiet one. And, you know, I just really observe and um, just keep to myself. But, you know, you're right. I have um, since moved up to executives, mm -hmm. um, just like you have. And I've really focused on branding and pushing myself to really be out there. Um, so first, I am uh, one of the mortgage experts and executives. Mm -hmm. uh, me and my husband, we also have a, a new construction business where we build affordable homes. Mm -hmm. um, so we just recently got, well, I wouldn't say too recently, but recent in it being about two years that we started and uh, we've already got nine new construction homes down um, and we have uh, six more that we're going to be getting That's awesome. uh, started. Yeah, I, next, I remember you. I remember y'all kicking that off, and I remember the Facebook yeah. posts, and I remember you you selling your first one of those, and yeah, that's yeah. that's so good to see that you've done that many now. Yeah. Um, man, let's let's jump back a little bit. Um, okay. Ashley, were you always like of an entrepreneur mindset growing up? Were you like one of these kids, like like so many of my guests that sold candy at school, or or did you discover entrepreneurship <laughs> a little bit later in life? No, I would say probably later in life, I was really um, driven from my parents that I needed to get a college degree. And that mm -hmm. was the main focus. So, you know, being in uh, junior high and high school, I was able to get a full scholarship uh, to the um, college in my hometown. So that was really my focus was being able to obtain that degree because that's what I was told to do. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So what was the college experience like for you? Well, um, I met my husband when I was in high school, so I didn't really have like the party mm -hmm. um, kind of college uh, experience to where you had a lot of friends and stuff like that. I, I just really kept to myself as well as my husband. And we just went through the, went through the, you know, um, 
how can I say it? Just went through the motion. Well, that's what you're supposed to it. do. That's what you're supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. You find yeah. A, you find a lot of people skip the party in and they're just trying to trying to figure out life as young adults together. I think. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty common for for all of us. And uh, your degree, though, your degrees in psychology. Yeah. How does a degree in psychology lead to where you're at right now, man? You know it is it helps me so much as mm -hmm. a person and then being able to understand other people because i deal with so many different people on a daily basis mm -hmm. um, um you know there's so many emotions that come through uh, when you're purchasing a home especially when i deal with first-time home buyers because it's <laughs> so new to them yeah, yeah. and it, it could quickly you know, get somebody excited and then really down because they're like, oh my gosh, why do you need all this stuff? Mm -hmm. Why are you asking me for all of this? <laughs> what are you going to know about all all these things? <laughs> it's so um, true. Yeah, so it definitely has helped me so much. Um, I know that I always stress the fact that I don't believe you need to go to college to be able to, you know, become a millionaire plus. No, uh, not at all. It is possible. Um, but having that background and experience with the schooling, it really did help me uh, to be able to be success successful at what I do now. Absolutely, I mean, a huge. I'm a huge proponent of of continuing education. Like mm -hmm. I I know you are as well because we're, we're yeah. always like we're half the time we're in the same damn classroom. Um, <laughs> but I I didn't stick at college for more than about six weeks before I figured out yeah. it wasn't for me. Uh, I did get in. They let me in. I was not the janitor. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I made it about six weeks. So, man, huge amount of respect for, for jumping in. And I know psychology is a big part of um, real estate, especially in in the first-time homebuyer kind, of, uh, kind of arena. I'd like to touch on that later on in the episode yeah. if we get time maybe talk about a few things that first-time home buyers should be prepared for when they look towards getting a mortgage um but i'd like to focus a little bit more on you and your journey in becoming a loan officer yeah so absolutely it says on your facebook page you're a wife and a mommy and a mortgage expert so obviously you got to juggle the uh, the business with the kids tell yep. us a little bit about how you went from graduating university with a degree in psychology to actually owning and operating your first business? Yeah. Um, so I had the opportunity to be a teller at a bank. So one of the big banks. Um, so I kind of was already interested in money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I climbed the ranks there. I was a teller and then became a teller manager. And then I decided I need to make more money. So I started looking for something that was going to pay me some more. Um, and a, a smaller bank had an opportunity to become a loan processor. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm interested in that. I want to see if, you know, something I could do. Mm -hmm. Well, I ended up getting it. And that's really whenever the real estate journey began. Um, so I started um, to see, you know, um, putting together the, the loan notes and stuff like that for the clients and really processing and getting behind the scenes versus what I do now. Um, so then again, just looking for more, seeking for more, how can I advance um, to the next level? Mm -hmm. And my next step was becoming a loan officer assistant. And um, I was had an opportunity at the same bank, except there was um, somebody else who had been there longer. So, you know, small town, town fills, they're going to yeah, get there. Yeah, like, that's, that's how that works. Yeah, right? yeah. So then I ended up finding another opportunity to where I literally um, moved 
I moved from my hometown and I left my husband in um, my hometown because he was still working on his bachelor's degree. Uh-huh. Um, so that was a really hard thing to do, but I still had on my mind, I was like, well, this is going to be able to get us to our next step. This is something I have to do. Um, so I became a loan officer assistant for other loan officers who were heavily producers. Like they would have loans left and right. Uh, so that's yeah. all I saw. And I was like, man, this is awesome. You know, they're on the phone. I'm there listening. You know, I'm just taking um, notes on what I'm hearing. And then I was doing everything like behind the scenes. I was doing the heavy lifting for the loan. Um, so basically a loan officer, they're a salesperson. They right, go out right. and find the deals. And then the other person, loan officer assistant to a processor, they're the ones who make it happen. <laughs> so before you went out and found the deals, you got a very, very thorough education on the yep. backside of how all this works. I absolutely did. And I will say 100% that has what has made me so successful at having the knowledge and knowing exactly what needs to be done to be able to get the file to close. What's the biggest, um, what's the biggest lesson you learned in the back? On the back, in, in, in the back was, was yeah, doing, to, doing the processing. What's the biggest lesson you picked up on that back side yeah. of, the, of the process? Um, I would uh, see loan officers who would give pre-qualifications that did not need to go out. So that really like made me mad because <laughs> you, they would release and say, oh yeah, you're, you're ready. And then I would get it and I'm like, uh, this is not a good loan. We can't even do this loan. So my, again, that's a huge lesson because people lose money. Emotions are flaring. Mm -hmm. um, there's a buyer's agent, a seller's agent. There's so many people involved. Why waste that time? So I carried that on um, to uh, my next, uh, obviously being a loan officer. Mm -hmm. um, and I will never break from that um, right. just because there's just so many things that can happen in between that time. And I'm just not that person. I cannot let a file die. And if there's any reason that something might happen, like I need to figure it out, I'm going to figure it out. And if there's some reason I can't figure it out, I did everything I could to. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Man, I just uh, having that attention to detail, man, I've <laughs> seen, I've seen pre, I've been involved when a prequel has gone out and it's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's worthless. And so as a real estate agent, you know, we thank you for having the extra due diligence and saving us that time. A lot of people want to go look at houses, but they don't understand yep. that, that the process for getting the mortgage in place has to occur like either first or concurrently, like as it's happening. And uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't happen a lot. So but before we get into real estate buying tips still i still want to focus on your journey and yeah. how you, how you ended up not only owning your own office but um cough maybe even having your own tv show so yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll keep we'll keep quiet about that for now um but you know so right you're working for somebody you're you're a loan officer what was the what was the jump that says you know what i i can work for i can work for myself for team herrera i can put this together yeah. Um, so yes, working as a loan officer, you have that ability to be able to lean on somebody else who's your manager. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wanted to take that extra step. Like I said, like in my journey, I'm always looking like what's the next be best thing or big thing for me. What can I do to be able to, um, you know, increase my legacy for my children. Mm -hmm. And that was the next step for me. And that was to become a branch manager for, uh, team Herrera. So Again, it's really more of a mindset thing with me, whether 
you know, we can look at working for somebody else. Yes, that's fine. I, I'm not there anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can, I can look back now and have all these experiences as, as being a processor and a loan officer assistant. I could never do that again. Never. <laughs> no, I, and I think I'm the same way. I'm very grateful for the experiences. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for the time I spent in law. I'm grateful for the time I spent processing my own sales, but you know, the best use of my time is working with clients mm -hmm. and, and not working on fulfillment. And, and my company almost transformed overnight when we cracked the fulfillment key. So do you have somebody now that is in charge of your fulfillment? And tell, tell me how that's worked for you. Was that like a, a scary jump to go to? Oh, yeah. I, I bet you can imagine because I, I had all that control. I was a processor before, so I had the complete control of everything. So it's mm -hmm. like no one else can do what I do. And right. yes, nobody else can, but <laughs> I had to come to terms with letting go and delegating. You have to delegate if you're going to be able to grow. And for you to be able to step out and actually go after what it is that you want to do, whether that's focusing on your branding or finding the clients. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I do have my assistants who back that. Uh, we have a, a process that we follow and it does not break, meaning there is a step by step at what needs to be done. And, you know, sometimes I'll have realtors or even clients come in and like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Oh, yes, yes, we're going to do that. <laughs> That's why though the 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 protocols are there from experience. They're, they're yes. there to stop the pain. Um, was there a catalyst? Was there a time? Because oftentimes I get asked by people, "When is the right time? When do I hire an assistant? When do I bring in somebody on the back end to help with that?" When when did you know that it was the right time? What made you make that decision, and and what allowed you to be comfortable with it? Yeah. Um. So. I was really overwhelmed. I was doing way too many things. Um, again, balancing my family, my kids, um, mm -hmm. being my top priority all the time, you know, trying to be there for everything. Um, I um, kind of hit that breaking point. I'm like, gosh, I am so tired. I almost, I almost got to that point where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't mm -hmm. think I, this is for me. But <laughs> really what it was is because I was just putting too much on myself. Yes. And I didn't need to. Um, so I really just had to switch that mindset to delegate, find people who are going to be able to follow direction, um, be good at what they're, you know, doing because it can be taught. Yeah. Um, and then just finding people who meet those core values of who we are. So like, of course, integrity is huge for us mm -hmm. um, doing what we're, what we say we're going to do and fulfillment. Um, so you can find those people um, and timing. There's never a good time. I, I would say <laughs> if you wait too long, it's too late. Like when, if you get to that point where I was to where I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about leaving this business. It's mm -hmm. already too late. Yeah. Um, so definitely hire before you get to that point, because it's just going to hurt, hurt mentally, hurt physically. Um, yeah, way before you need it. I can. I completely agree. I just wanted to hear it from you. The audience have heard it from me 20 times. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but th this is this is a show that's supposed to be heard by people that are just a little bit behind us in our journey on, on business. And one of the most frightening things for a solopreneur to do is to bring somebody on their team and just like hope it works. Um, yeah. Now you mentioned that you have unwavering systems. Mm -hmm. What was the process like for onboarding your first employee and for starting to build out those systems? And can you yeah. tell me why the systems are so important to your business? Yeah. Um, so onboarding was easy for me because I already had the systems in place mm -hmm. um, because I wanted, I already knew that I needed to hire somebody. So I'm like, okay, if it were me getting hired by somebody else, what would I want? What would I need to be able to be successful at becoming a loan officer assistant in this case i love that um, or what was it i was missing when my uh loan officer at the time hired me mm -hmm. what is it that i can can provide to my new loan officer assistant to make it easier for them you, and that's where it comes it's that sops let me make um, sure that the audience is paying attention uh to what <laughs> you just said right <laughs> that is um honestly it's it's that valuable it's worth uh, it's worth repeating but um i wanted to, to 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 pause there and make sure people were paying attention because you you put yourself in the shoes of the employee and you yeah. said in my employee's ideal training scenario what would I want as that employee? And mm -hmm. a lot of us don't take the time to think about that. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to underline no, that. I want to underline that point. Think of think of what they would need and then provide the system for them before they start work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how'd that work out? Oh, it worked wonderfully. <laughs> um, I was able to find somebody who, again, matched the core values. We got along. And guys, when it comes to hiring, I do a little bit different. I do uh, look at resumes, et cetera, but I take them out to eat. And I look oh. at how they are treating people around us, especially the waitress or the waiter. And there's so many things that will come out natu you know, naturally and they don't even realize it. No, you're, um, you're So you can right. really get a feel of somebody just watching them and how they're speaking to people. Um, so, I did that. Um, we hit it off again. You want to hit it off with your employees. Mm -hmm. I know that you want to enjoy somebody showing up to your office. You don't want to be showing up to your office and be like, oh, well, I have to do this person today. We did. <laughs> like, I know we, we overuse this cliche a lot, but like, we really do life with the yeah. people that work for us. And mm -hmm. I try to avoid saying work for me. And I, I generally say work with me. They're part of the mm -hmm. team. We do life together. So, yes. If I wouldn't allow my friend to be an asshole to a waitress, then yeah. I sure as hell won't allow my employee to. You know, I don't right. want to work with that employee. So yeah, it's uh, it all makes sense. Like mm -hmm. if you if you can't be kind to a waitress, how in the world can you be kind to a a, a client? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So take them to eat. I'm gonna write that yeah. down. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Maybe if they um, want the if they want the job bad enough, they will take me to eat. I don't know. <laughs> resume and lunch <laughs> absolutely lunch and be like okay well i'll get back to you <laughs> so what um, happens what happens now now that you've done yeah. that what happens now when you take a day off 
when I take a day off, mm -hmm. my assistant is there for me. Perfect. I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, micromanage. I do not like micromanaging. I like people who are going to take the initiative to mm -hmm. find the answer mm -hmm. or find the solution. And whenever you find people who can help you do that, oh my gosh, you're going to be so much, you know, you're going to have so much freedom and time is what it comes to. And that's what I want. Ultimately, mm -hmm. I want more freedom and time to be able to do what it is that I want to do. I, I, um, a lot of employees, though, they 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 don't have that mindset to where they'll go fix it. Um, yeah. So one way I like to empower my employees is um, instead of coming to me with a problem, I ask them to come to me with a problem and a solution and then mm -hmm. If the solution's great, we roll with it. And if the solution's not great, maybe I give them a little guidance and say, here's what I'd do. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have anything similar set up for your employees? How do you empower them to make those yeah. decisions? Yeah, so going back to the SOPs, I do um, the training. So it's always there for them. So mm -hmm. every step is in there. Yes, we're going to come into situations where it's, you know, we got some odd stuff going on. But it's really repetitive when it comes to what the loan officer assistant is mm -hmm. going to be doing. Correct. Um, so my thing is, Hey, you're going to learn this. We're going to do it together. I'm going to show you, then I'm going to have you do it. And then you're going to, we're going to do it a couple more times. And then you're going to go ahead and go on your own. Mm -hmm. But what I want you to do is if you come, uh, you get stuck, go back to that training where it says, Hey, have you input an application? Go look at it again. Mm -hmm. Does it answer your question? If not, then come to me. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would you say to any em potential employer right now that is thinking about hiring some people? Um, you got any advice that you give them on what life is like using standard operating procedures? Yes. I highly recommend standard operating of procedures. You have to have them. You got to also think ahead. What if something happened to you? What's left behind? Nothing. If you don't have those standard operations of procedures, mm -hmm. if you have that, somebody can pick them up, look at them and continue your business. At 1000% correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're never ready to give up control. I, mm -hmm. I understand that and how terrifying yeah. it is. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, the real the, the the real uh, light bulb went off when I was forced to take some time off from my business. And then I came back and nothing had caught fire. And we turned around and looked and it was because we'd spent the last, well, ever since October, um, building standard operating procedures and building mm -hmm. everybody's roles into that role. So let's uh, let's dive right now. Let, let's jump around just a minute and let's talk about buying a house and let's talk about mortgages. And um, man, this is the craziest real estate market I've ever seen. So without putting you too much on the spot, how in the hell does anybody buy a house right now? <laughs> I will agree. We have so many variables that are just like, what? is going on you know well, it's, a, it's a great market i've just <laughs> i've just termed it a, a challenging market 
This is one we actually have to go out and make stuff happen. We have to go out and put the work in and put the reps mm -hmm. in. Sometimes you can just kind of sit with your fish, uh, fishing pole in the water and hook a fish and sell some real estate. Yeah. But this, this is where, I mean, it's going to separate out. There's going to be some people quit the business for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, tell us I how agree. to buy a house. <laughs> yeah. So again, you always want to start with an application because you don't know where you are. I have a lot of people who come to me and they're like, nah, I have this on my credit. I'm like, okay, well, do you really know what that is about? Mm -hmm. Well, no, not really. Okay. Well, let me look at it and let me tell you what you need to do so I can help. Um, either make a plan or we move forward. And a lot of the times is we move forward. Um, so basically getting over that hurdle of having uh, imposter syndrome that you would never be able to purchase a home. So it's possible just getting over that hump and turning in your documentation. So <laughs> in a timely that, manner. Yeah. Yeah. If you want something quick, you're going to have to be quick to be able to have an answer back quickly. You know, I have sometimes I have clients who, are, who just want to not provide the documentation and they just want to say, no, I just want to kind of know where I'm at. No, 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 no. I don't guess. This is no guessing game, especially in the market that we're in now. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting their time. I'm not wasting any of the agent's time. This is yeah. just too much going on to be playing. Um, so yeah, apply get the documentation in, get your pre-approval. One thing that I can say, because we're in a market where the rates have increased like three points since January Jeez. and we're in April, mm -hmm. you guys have to save money. You're going to have to find a way. Like if it's a couple hundred, a hundred bucks for each check, it will multiply over time. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you're going to end up paying more in closing costs now because there's these extra discount points that are added mm -hmm. because the rates are so high. So to and buy the, the to buy so the rates high. down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so just, I, I, advise... I, I know what, I know what that is. Just, just, mm -hmm. just explain that a minute in, in regular English for, for the listeners. I mean, I know what buying points off rates is, but there's probably yeah. quite a few people that don't. So, we're literally at a time now to where, how can I say it? A discount is best heard before to pay extra points to be able to get a lower rate. So right. basically that means I, I, as a buyer, I'm going to dish out some extra cash so mm -hmm. I can get a lower rate, mm -hmm. but we're at a time now where those discount points are on the highest rate available. So you're going to pay them regardless. Right, right. So what that means is you're going to have to dish out money regardless of the rate. Mm -hmm. So what that does in return is add extra amount of money needed for closing. Correct. Yeah. So that's the best way I can put it. Um, now we're without... just not at that point anymore where it's like, hey, I want to pay like a point. Yeah. It's not going to get you anywhere anymore because mm -hmm. it's already two and a half, three points to be able to even get the rate that you want. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. It just, uh, man, it, it gets confusing because to a lot of people that don't live in our world, it very much appears like smoke and mirrors. And the, the, yeah. the, the complexities of the transaction that you can, there's, there's money going all over the place. Yep. And, um, Ballpark. I'm not going to tie. I'm not going to hold your feet to the flame. Um, mm -hmm. But what would you say? Oh God, 
there's just no average i know because i keep getting asked um what would you say a good amount for somebody to have in savings would be uh for them to be a serious contender in today's housing market to come um, in and be able to buy their first home and i would probably say 15 to twenty thousand. okay yeah that's because that's where price I'm points are going up Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to consider. Mm -hmm. And then depending on the program, you of course have your zero down programs, which is like VA or USDA, mm -hmm. but then you have your FHA where it's three and a half percent. So that's mm -hmm. regardless of what the seller will help pay, pay for closing costs if you get it. Mm -hmm. um, and then coming in with those extra discount points um, and, and due to the market. And that's another thing. We always used to be able to get seller contributions if we needed yeah. a couple, a couple of grand to make the deal work. And now that's not that's not really happening either because uh, yep. they have a plethora of, of buyer offers to choose from. Yes. So mm -hmm. if you're saving for a first time house, you probably want to be in that fifteen to twenty grand region. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, that's some that's some sound advice. Um, so what would you say the most common mistake that, that you see that a first-time homebuyer actually makes in this entire process is? Um, well, there's quite a bit, um, but one of my things... Well, they're, they're first-timers, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things I do for my clients is we have a do's and don'ts list, and we make sure we put that out because it's so important that mm -hmm. you do not buy anything you open new credit cards. Get Go a get a new vehicle. car. Oh my yeah, God. that one is the biggest one. And I've seen it happen over and over, over and over again. Oh no, we tell them in, we tell them in big loud letters, like <laughs> don't buy a car for the, buy it, buy it after the loan is funded. Because, right. well, statistically people are so much more likely to buy a new car within 90 yeah. days of buying a new home. Um, yep. I don't know if that's because they move in the house and they, they want to look good for their neighbors or what, but then <laughs> you know what? I noticed that last time I, I bought a house in, what was it, 2013 or 2014, within six weeks, there was a brand new BMW sitting in the driveway. I'm like, Jesus, oh, wow. I'm just a statistic now. Like, you know. <laughs> hey, you just get that high. Like, oh, I just bought a house. Oh, I can get a car now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no no doubt. But, um, man. All right, so... Um, you also, not only are you like this absolute mortgage superstar, you also branched out a couple of years ago, like you mentioned earlier, into, uh, into home building. Um, yeah. what, what, gave you that, uh, what gave you that idea and what, what got you inspired to start in the, uh, in the new construction business? Yeah, so this one's a big one for me. Um, so alongside being in the mortgage industry, I see that there's a big gap of homes available for those that are in the lower price range. Absolutely. Um, so I run into a lot of clients who I can get pre-approved and they're ready to go shopping, but they can't find anything. Mm -hmm. um, so with that, as well as always been intrigued with, you know, HGTV watching fix and flip <laughs> houses, I was just like, oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, of course we know it's, it's like a reality show, but it's still like, man, I wish I could do something like that. Or I want to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just so happened one day, me and my husband were driving down my mother-in-law's street and we had seen a sign 
that had a house for owner finance. And of course, me being a mortgage expert, I know what that means. I'm like, ooh, owner owner finance means that doesn't go on my credit. <laughs> and <laughs> I could sweep up this house. Yeah. Um, and you know, this possibly be our first fix and flip house. Mm-hmm. Well, it it ended up being we called the sign. Um, the guy showed up, he showed us the house. It was, mm, it was okay. I mean, there was something <laughs> that needed to be done. Yeah, but you can um, be it, honest. Yeah, it needed yeah. some work. Mm-hmm. It needed that work for sure. Um, and then he, we decided within 10 minutes, we're like, okay, yep, we're doing this. So we gave him our down payment. We wrote a con- contract. Um, we did the owner financing. Of course, we went through the legal afterwards, but we got the keys the same day. Oh, so wow. we're all pumped. Yeah, we were pumped. We're excited. And um, um, can I just, I, just from a, a legal perspective, I wouldn't recommend yeah. doing that again. Um, would, would, <laughs> well, um, I, we were like way too excited, obviously. It, well, you know, it's funny because I bought my first house with no money down on a fucking bill of sale because I didn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> and then had an absolute education over six weeks of, of unfucking everything. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not the. But wow, when you told me that, I was like, whoa. Yeah, so don't yeah. buy, don't, do not do like I did and do not do like Ashley did and buy a house without the legal work. Yeah. There's a reason it's there. Well, we ended up doing the legal work two weeks later. Everything mm-hmm. was clear. Um, made some calls to friends to make sure, you know, the title wasn't crazy yeah. or anything like that before we had um, signed a dotted line on that contract. And um, yeah, we got the keys. We're like, okay. This is awesome. We we now have a house. Um, so we got excited, showed all our family, and then we told them what we're gonna do. And then we got started on it immediately. We just started subcontracting everything out uh, because we're not handy. We don't know anything about fixing anything. So. See, I, I didn't I didn't know any better. I grew up in construction, so I did I did everything. You did. I did top yeah. to bottom. But the one lesson I learned on that first flip, um, that that made me go uh, and pay somebody to learn how to run yep. title. And then mm-hmm. I ended up with a career in oil and gas law from flipping that first house and, oh, wow. and buying it on a bill of sale like an idiot. <laughs> so, how did, so how did your first flip work out then? Um, yeah, it, was, it went great. It went great. Everything was pretty smooth. Um, I mean, we had some things that we had to fix and then we learned obviously throughout the process. Um, we subcontracted everything out because I, I have this mindset time is of the essence mm-hmm. because I already learned from my a mortgage business. Hey, we need to delegate. We need to move. We need to be able to get this on the market ASAP um, with people who are experienced. They're going to get d- things done faster oh, and yeah. the way it needs to be. Um, so instead of us trying to come in and be like, oh, let's figure this out. Mm, I'm not about that. So um, yeah, it went great. We put it on the market. We made about 30,000 on our first flip. So mm-hmm. I thought, I was like, hey, this is awesome. Well, in between that time, we had a subcontractor say, hey, why don't y'all build houses? And at that time, I was like, I was taken back. Yeah. I was like, did he just say like, we should build houses? <laughs> well, you know, some people might argue it's easier to build them than it is to actually yeah. remodel them, you know, because when when yeah. you when you build, you're down to operating procedures over plans and mm-hmm. you put the two together. So, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to be said about starting from a yeah. fresh sheet and just making something you can stamp out. So, yeah. how in how in the world did you become a home builder? So, our next um step was deciding that we're just going to do it. 
Um, so me and my husband are like, you know what? Um, if we can do this, we can definitely figure out how to build a house. So we just started calling around. We started doing some research. Um, what is it? What is the steps that we needed to do? Like um, we were out of order for a little bit, then we had to back up and then figure out the next step. Um, there's a lot that you have to do to be able to prepare to even break ground. And who knew? But we found out. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the biggest so, what was the biggest surprise you ran into? Um, I think really dealing with the city because mm -hmm. we were building houses inside the city limits. They have some rules that you have to follow and abide by. Yes. Totally cool. I like that that there is that system in place to be able to check the builders to make sure that they're actually building homes that are sufficient for people who are going to be living in them. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, overall, it's a good system. It's just being able to learn um, what it is that they like, what they don't like, um, how to talk to these people, how to say the right terms. Um, again, the words, terms and words. Um, and, you know, they were asking us questions. They're like, yeah, yeah, I think I know <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> um, so we literally went through it like that. We didn't have any mentorship. We didn't have anybody helping us along to, you know, figure it out. It's just one of those things. It's we, I, me and my husband were like, let's just do the damn thing. Let's mm -hmm. figure it out. We're going to figure it out. And we sure as hell did. So, and, and it's been, honestly, it's been really, really cool to watch uh, you all do that. Um, what did your first house sell for? N not the first flip, sorry, the first new construction home. What did it sell for? And what did it feel like putting that first family in there? Um, so I think it sold for 172 if I'm remembering correctly, because we're in different numbers now. Mm -hmm. um, putting that first family, I mean, it was the craziest thing. Like we listed it and it was sold within three days. Wow. I had no idea. We weren't even in the market that we are now. Mm -hmm. Like I did not expect it was going to happen um, that quickly. And it was a cash buyer at that. Oh, wow. I was like, whoa. Um, so it felt amazing because, you know, we get to that stage where you get to take the pictures mm -hmm. of your final product mm -hmm. and then, you know, put it on um, or put it out there for a listing. And I'm just looking at these photos and it's like, we did that. Like <laughs> we came up with this design. We came up with all these um, colors and sheens and concept um, to be able to get the house the way it looks. And it amazing like we just did that so, so you, you created your very own hgtv episode yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. dude that's awesome so what does the future look like for the home building business then what are the oh, what are the plans you've got coming up there yeah so um we're finishing our last seven in abilene we have one more house one more family to get in and that mm -hmm. should be in the next week and a half so super excited about that because that was seven homes at one time Wow. And again, that was an experience in itself. Um, not only the management of it, but dealing with um, the behind the scenes of like the financing, because we got a full loan to be able to take that seven mm -hmm. down, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and our, our next um, six that we'll be working on, we'll have four in Abilene and two in San Angelo, Texas. Um, and then our next big project that we're wanting to get started on is a development um, subdivision in that we had um, acquired a while back. Um, we're just looking to obtain the capital to be able to start and get that one going. So we're going to um, get that 
hopefully soon. And then we'll, we're going to be moving on to even bigger projects. I want, I want to see subdivisions where I'm, you know, in cities that don't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because coming from San Angelo, that's where we, um, got our degrees in, uh, yeah. at Angelo state university and coming, um, more to, you know, the Metroplex and seeing like all these subdivisions mm-hmm. that was new to me. I'm like, what is going on here? Like all these houses <laughs> together and there's a, there's a school right there. And like, yeah. wow, what is, what is all this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, so bringing that to, you know, the small towns to be able to have a community, um, vibe is something that I want to be able to do. Um, so that's definitely on our uh, list to do and we will do it one day. Man. I don't blame you. I mean, like you're literally just going into communities and changing them for the good. You're changing them with yeah. positivity. And, you know, affordable housing is very challenging uh, to build and to get right and to, and, and to do it somewhat profitably. Um, mm-hmm. Because of the cost of lots around here, you know, about the cheapest house we can we can build um, is, is probably about the 180 range now. Um, mm-hmm. Are you finding it a good model at that range or are you looking to maybe with the subdivisions you build, maybe step up in price point a little bit? Um, so definitely for the subdivision that we have bought, they're going to have to be in the 220s because of the area that it's in. It's not going to make sense for us to bring down the value of the area that we bought. Um, so the other houses that we are building that are more affordable, they are within pockets of other areas. Um, mm-hmm. so those do, we can sell those for about the 180 to mm-hmm. 190 range. Yeah. Um, so these next, um, four in Abilene, those will hit about 192 cause we have to move with the market. We don't want to yeah. bring yeah, down yeah. everything else because no, I we want to be able to give these houses to, mm-hmm. um, you know, families. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, and I still, I still feel pretty thankful that we could even build in that price point, um, because you know, the 180, the 190, it's needed so much. Oh, it really is. And again, just building affordable housing in that price range, it can be so difficult when you have all the impact fees and the lot fees and and every other tax and fee that's added to it. Um, Mm -hmm. Here in College Station, there are significant fees involved with lots um, to where it's, it's, it's almost, you know, cost prohibitive. To builders, yeah. and they, of course they're passing it on to the end user, and um, the the prices are just going up and up. So, yeah. uh, shit, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I, I guess make more money, right? Yeah, or find other areas where you can find deals online. That's kind of like what we did. So you just start out with in, individual we lots. Four hours away from where we're building. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're buying individual lots. Um, so the seven that I talked to you about, um, we were able to pick those up under seven thousand a piece. Oh, that so would help. That was very, very um, cheap in terms of land availability um, to be able to build a home on. Um, so yeah, so just finding that area where those deals are. Mm-hmm. And is that something you do yourself, or do you have a team looking for deals nowadays? Um, so right now I usually just get on Facebook and I go to the marketplace and I just start searching land or owner finance, um, lots for sale. And then like, I just start looking, I'm like, okay, well, looks like this area is selling for this much. What kind of deal can I find here? How much can I, if I build something here, how much could I sell these for? And if the numbers Mm -hmm. make sense, we're going to go there. Um, so we're not, we're not structured just to San Angelo or Abilene. Um, so long as the you know, the profitability is there to be able um, to provide the homes is what it's going to come down to. 
Do you think that supply chain issues and labor issues are going to have a negative effect on home builders over the next year or two? Do you think we're going to struggle with that? You know, when COVID hit, that was all they talked about. That's all they talked about shortages. They talked about labor shortages. We did not have that problem whatsoever. Hmm. So as for the future, no. So I just kind of think it's just one of those things they're putting on the news, like, hey, we're having all these labor shortages. Oh, we're having all these um, shortages of materials. Mm-hmm. There's a way to find stuff. I mean, you know, you're like me. We're going to find a solution. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point, man. That's the whole yeah. point. If, if you can solve the problem that nobody else can solve, then, uh, then you get paid. That's, yeah. that's just the way it is. All right. I got a few more questions I got to ask you. Um, yeah. <clears throat> we talked about continuing education and further education. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite places to go and get educated at? What do you like to do to learn? Um, well, I do a lot of research. Of course, I, I'm a big person on Facebook, so I like to be able to watch other people who are more advanced mm-hmm. in whether it's mortgage or in new construction. So just watching them, seeing what they're doing, um, that's total education in itself because you can just mirror somebody um, and be successful from not even talking to them, just watching. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and then talking of talking of you know coaching and watching successful people. Um, how how long ago was it? So I don't want to ask you how old you are. How long ago was it when you when you like lent into this and hired your first coach? Oh, so honestly, my first coach did not happen until um, last November. Excellent. But I was. Ryan as my mentor, somebody that I look up to, mm-hmm. um, who could technically be my coach because I'm watching him. Right. He doesn't right. have to technically talk to me to say, hey, you need to do these things, but I can I can see and I can observe and I can take action. Mm-hmm. Man. It, so if you were talking to a business owner that was on the fence about getting a coach or hiring a mentor, what would you tell them? Oh my gosh, please do it. Because <laughs> Whenever I finally took the plunge to hire a coach, my first call, I was like, I was almost in tears because I felt like I waited too damn long for this and I could be so much further if I did this long ago, Mm -hmm. but that, but that's okay because I am where I am because of the experiences that I had to go through to be where I am today. Yep. Um, but if you can watch somebody and you can take the advice from somebody who's going to tell you how to jump 10 steps ahead mm-hmm. in a smaller amount of time, that's something you need to do. See, I didn't know that existed. I let my ego get in the way for so long. Um, mm-hmm. And it's only been in the last four or five years that I've really started paying people to help me understand things. And um, it's it's one thing I wish I could tell all the entrepreneurs that are coming up behind me is like, man, go and hire somebody that knows more than you can explain it easily. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, and it's not about it's not just looking at that dollar sign. Mm -mm. It's looking at how that's investing into yourself and how much faster you're going to get somewhere because you invested that money into yourself. 
It's the, it, the, it, the it's best amazing. investment. It's the best yeah. investment. Like mm -hmm. they can't, they can't take the knowledge away from you. They can't take the uh, the experiences away from you. Um, no, I I love that. So, I've got like two more questions for you, Ashley. Before we wrap yeah. this up, um, <clears throat> number one, I want to know. Um, obviously, you can't see my desk because uh, the camera's not pointing at it, but my desk is stacked full of books, and I know that you're an avid self-educator, so is there a good book that you have read recently that you think that the audience should be taking a look at? Well, you know what? Um, so Kirsten and Executives, she just came out with her book, mm -hmm. and I must say that a lot there's a lot of people in business, but not a lot of women in business. That's true, yeah. So I just, I recently have read her book and I'm actually going to look it up because I want to say it correctly. Um, uh, I, I can't remember what it's called. It's Confessions of a something. Of an unhappy, unhappy. housewife. Yeah. 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 I just want to make sure that um, we get the full title because any woman out there who has a man who is an entrepreneur and you're feeling like you're not making on you know holding down the household or maybe it is that you want to be able to you know have these dreams and dream big and you want to take that step to become an entrepreneur or um you know feel like you're making an impact for your family i absolutely recommend this book it um, is called confessions of an unhappy housewife yes and uh Man, I've known the Smiths for a little while now, and uh, like every time I've read her name, I've said Kristen, and it's not, it's Kirsten, and now I feel bad. Kristen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably said it wrong to you. No. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. You're right. They're so amazing. Oh my gosh. I love them. Every time we see them, uh, biggest smile ever. Both of them have yeah. this wonderful energy. Just, just totally genuine people. That's Jeff and Kirsten Smith, for those of you guys that don't know. Um, Kirsten, she just hit bestseller on Amazon um, yes. with her book, Confessions of an Unhappy Housewife. I have a copy of it. I have not opened it. Um, there's probably 15 unopened books on my coffee table I'm slowly working through. We just get to them, yeah. you know. Um, but anyway, like, so a cracking book recommendation. I got... Uh, two more questions the the first one and we did touch on this maybe a little bit but this show is it's oriented towards people behind us in the journey a little bit and helping them on what's one piece of advice that if you could take it and give to ashley from maybe five years ago that's watching or maybe 10 years ago even that's watching what's one thing you'd want to turn around and tell her i would definitely say keep going mm. um it's always I guess I would say I was very scared of, you know, fa failure and what if I can't do it or what if I don't make enough money to pay my bills this mm -hmm. next month? Um, again, it's coming back to that imposter syndrome and being able to reset that mindset to where you're accepting that abundance of everything. Um, I wish I would have learned that more early on yeah um and get rid of that scarcity mindset much earlier um because i know i would be much further than i am today man you know that's probably the hardest hardest thing to get rid of though yeah um you, you you've hit it 
you've hit it on the head because getting rid of that scarcity mindset is the key to opening up the abundance that we get to live in. It's just really difficult. It's really hard to do. And, oh, yeah. uh, and so like, yeah, you've, you've, you've hit on that. Like if, if you're struggling in business, um, Ashley makes just the best point in the world. It's, it's in your head. It's all in that mind. You know, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not easy, but it is simple. Yeah. It's simple steps repeated consistently and, uh, get out of your own way. All right. Yeah. Miss Ashley, my final question for you. Number one, I want to thank you so much for coming, hanging out with us uh, oh, for the last hour. It's, it's, it's been long overdue interview and it's been an absolute pleasure to watch you grow, uh, not only your mortgage uh, business, but your home building business as well. Um, where can the people that are interested in working with you and getting a mortgage or getting a house or even just following you on the internet, where can we find you to go follow along? Yeah. Um, so I have my West website. It's Ashley Herrera dot phone sites.com mm-hmm. that will take you to everything so okay. it's just literally get on there if you want to find me on facebook on tiktok for all my fun dances <laughs> um, to apply for a mortgage um it will be there for you um I, so that's what i recommend and, and we'll drop that of course in the show notes um one last question when are you and jessica dennehy gonna have a dance off on tiktok <laughs> We can make that happen. I sort of go, Maybe this Friday. I don't even have TikTok. <laughs> I don't even have TikTok. And I see your story and I see her story and you're just always yeah. just dancing the pair of you. So <laughs> it is a highlight of my day getting to watch that. So thank you. All right. Ashley, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview you, my dear. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm looking forward to hanging out with you in a couple of weeks up in Dallas when I get to see you again. So uh, thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. And guys, that was uh, Ashley Herrera that's just spent some time talking with us. She is the owner of Team Herrera at Mortgage Solutions Financial and a serial entrepreneur. So uh, if you have enjoyed the podcast today, do me a favor, click the link in the show notes, run over to Ashley's socials and give her a follow and a share. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at Small Business Surgeon or we're over on the internet at smallbusinesssurgeon.com. That's it for today. You'll be good. Stay safe and uh, check in with us this Wednesday when we've got another episode of Sam and Kyle, see what's up. I'll see you next time. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.